Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hello, Las Vegas. Happy Thursday. Great to have you here with us. Well, not here with us. I am, in fact, alone in studio right now. But great to have you listening. This is 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church. A fun time last night. Parents and teens and Awana were all outside in that windstorm. Yeah, I can I can predict with uncanny accuracy when we're going to have a storm like that. Would you like to know my very scientific way of predicting when it's about time for us to have such a storm? Here it is. It's very simple. If I have spent four or more days working on cleaning my pool in the past week it is virtually guaranteed that we will have a windstorm such as we had last night because it it happens every time <laughs> every time i i i spend multiple days in a row cleaning my pool to get it looking really good i it let me just put it this way windstorms and pools in las vegas do not go together well they make me sad. <sighs> anyway. Anyway. All right, let's hit some headlines, then we'll get to the big story of the day. Well, my big story of the day, and we'll move on. Uh, Houston, obviously, is still underwater. Hope you are continuing uh, to pray there and do what you can. Uh, there are a number of different organizations that you can work with if you would like to send uh, financial resources or if you would like to volunteer to go and, and help people rebuild. There are opportunities to do that as well with Samaritan's Purse or there are other local churches that are also providing that opportunity to individuals. Um, the The main thing out of Houston this morning here, if you're listening live, is that there were two explosions uh, at a chemical plant in Houston, at least one police officer uh, was hospitalized, uh, and there were nine others who had in- inhaled uh, fumes from this explosion that also uh, went to the hospital. But I don't believe we know yet if they've actually been hospitalized. But uh, so this power plant, it lost power due to the flooding, and the lost power ended up causing a series of chemical reactions in the plant and multiple explosions. Now, Janet Smith is a spokeswoman for the company. She told the Associated Press that the fire will happen. It will resemble a gasoline fire. It will be explosive and intense in nature. They said there was no way to prevent the explosion, uh, and people within one and a half miles of the plant were all evacuated. This was something that they had reviewed with the Department of uh, which Department Department of Homeland Security and other uh, experts to figure out what they should do or what they could do. Ended up being not really anything they could do. They knew this was going to happen, so they did what they could to to keep those who are around it safe. They say it's going to be a fire. There's going to be explosions. 
the silver lining, if you will, which is hard to see one, but the fact that the plant is currently surrounded by water means that they don't expect the fire to spread or for this to be uh, an issue for more than the company itself uh, where this chemical plant is that is having these explosions. Obviously, they're going to have extensive, extensive damage if they have anything left uh, after these explosions take place. But it is something that they were anticipating. And uh, unless it becomes much greater than than what they predicted, it doesn't look like it will be uh, an issue for many, if any, outside of the company itself due to the flooding, which is going to contain uh, the effects of those explosions. Uh, favorite story out of this uh, calamity yesterday was that there is a, a Pizza Hut manager who decided that they were going to use their store to make and deliver pizzas to individuals and families who were still trapped in their homes. So they loaded up these kayaks with pizzas from Pizza Hut and just went around delivering pizzas to people who were still trapped. I thought that was pretty cool. Way to go, Pizza Hut. Way to go. All right, let's shift gears a little bit here uh, because we're not really talking about much besides Harvey is, is, for obvious reasons, the main thing that everyone in America is talking about right now. Hopefully you are continuing to pray for the people in Houston and around Houston. But uh, President Trump has been credited with opening another coal mine in Pennsylvania. Now that may not seem like a big deal here in Nevada, but coal is a really, really big deal. And in previous administrations, coal usage has been frowned upon. So the fact that there is a coal mine opening is a very big deal. The fact that this president is willing to explore this use of energy is a big deal. Corsa Coal is opening a long-shuttered coal mine in Pennsylvania and is crediting the policies of President Donald Trump, who declared that the war on coal is over. According to PenLive.com, the company said renovations will begin next month at the mine that's been closed for five years and is expected to reopen early in 2018. This will result in approximately 100 new jobs. I say 100 new jobs, that's nothing. Well, it's a lot. If you're one of those 100 people, it's everything. Coal is, I, I don't have the time or desire to get into it today, but coal is a viable energy option. You should look at, if you're interested in more about that, um, my favorite person on coal and energy issues specifically related to coal is um, uh, Tom Borelli, husband of Deneen Borelli. You should check out some of what Tom Borelli has talked about with coal. It's very interesting. But again, I don't have time or desire to get into that today. Instead, let's uh, let me mention this. Hillary Clinton... According to FoxNews.com, is charging big bucks for her new book tour events. She's ready to talk about what happened. Obviously the title of her new book. But if you want to hear her speak about it in person, you have to spend some serious dough. According to Alex 
Pappas. Starting next month, the former Democratic presidential nominee embarks on a tour across the United States and Canada to promote what happened, her memoir about running against Donald Trump for president. And the price for access is a throwback to campaign fundraisers. For $2,375.95, Clinton fans in Toronto can obtain a VIP platinum ticket for her talk on September 28th. That ticket includes two front row seats, a photo with Clinton backstage, and a signed book. I'm sorry, why are we... I mean, do the Canadians really care that much about what Hillary's perspective on what happened during the election was? I don't, I don't get it. Because if some Canadian politician came and did a book through, tour through America and was charging $2,375.95 for a VIP platinum ticket. I mean, I, not only would I not buy one, I would not even care that he was here. Not, I mean, the politician could be a great person. I just wouldn't care because it doesn't honestly affect me at all. The fact that there's some Canadian politician who had a failed campaign is coming here to tell me about what he thinks happened in that campaign. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Same price tickets, VIP tickets, are also available for her appearances in Montreal and Vancouver. I, again, I don't, I, okay. Now, you can get into the event for $70 if you wanted to. But you're not going to get a signed book. You're not going to get uh, photos with the speaker and you're going to be sitting in the back. Now again, if there was a Canadian politician who had failed to win, who came through here, I'd I wouldn't go for seventy. I wouldn't go for twenty dollars. I don't understand why. I, <laughs> I I don't know. But once you and this this I okay, then she's coming back into the United States. Her VIP tickets to an event in New York on November first are seven hundred and fifty dollars. Why I something is strange there to me? Like, are Canadians seriously clamoring for the Clintons to this level that you can charge three times more for a VIP seat in Canada than you can in the U.S.? I mean, that might say something. I'm going to let you decide what it is. We're going to take a break. When we come back in just a few minutes, we'll hit my big story of the day Stay with us. All right, so I was checking my email during the break, and I received an email from Raising Canes. I always open emails from Raising Canes because there is a possibility that uh, they will be sending me free food because sometimes they do that. I sign up for every restaurant's um, rewards program. Whatever they have, I sign up for it. Here is why. My birthday is in the month of November. I have an email account dedicated to restaurant signups because most places, if you sign up for whatever is their little reward system, will send you free food for your birthday. I'm telling you, I eat out like four times a week for the entire month of November for free. Just on birthday deals. I'm telling you it's worthwhile. So anyway, so I open the um, 
Uh, what was I saying? The email. I opened the email because I thought it might have the free food. And I was excited about the anticipation of possible free food. However, it was not free food. It was instead an email letting me know that the official cup of Raiders Nation is now available at Raising Cane's. I just pounded on my desk in case you can't hear that. Um, okay. I don't, I don't want a Raiders Nation cup. I am a Broncos fan. Like, this is insulting to my inbox. I had to delete it. Now, I've talked about this before. Um, I think it's fantastic that we have the Raiders coming and that people like Raising Cane's are partnering with them because there's often free food promotions related to national sports teams when they partner with restaurants like this. So I'm thinking you're going to get like a free chicken finger or something if the Raiders score more than three touchdowns in one game. Things like this will happen, so it will be a good thing. But right now, you're just putting pictures of Raiders players in my inbox, and I don't necessarily appreciate that. So here's what I did. I went and I downloaded the Chick-fil-A app. Yes, I did. (laughs) While we were in the break, I downloaded the Chick-fil-A app. Two reasons. One, because I just mm, was a little perturbed. And secondly, because I was talking to my good friend Joanna the other day, and she was telling me that her dad has the Chick-fil-A app, and that he gets free food in the Chick-fil-A app. And as previously mentioned, I'm all about the free food. Speaking of Chick-fil-A, I wanted to let you know that if you're planning to go out to eat today... I would encourage you to go to Chick-fil-A. Not because Raising Cane sent me a picture of the Raiders. Not because we are in any way affiliated with Chick-fil-A. We are not. But if you're going to go out to eat anyway, if you go to Chick-fil-A, they're donating, uh, Chick-fil-A in Las Vegas or Henderson today, they're donating 10% of their sales to Hurricane Harvey Relief. So whatever you spend, if you spend $10 at Chick-fil-A, $1 is going to go directly uh, to providing relief for Hurricane Harvey victims. So my thought is if you're going to go out anyway for lunch or something, do some good while you're at it. It doesn't, literally doesn't cost you anything more and you're still able to contribute to what's happening uh, in Houston and helping those relief efforts. There's other ways locally uh, you can get involved. All of the Albertson locations in the Valley are offering you the opportunity to donate to the relief effort when you check out. You can donate to the American Red Cross at any Wells Fargo ATM. Uh, The Red Cross Southern Nevada is holding a blood drive tomorrow, Friday, at 1771 East Flamingo Road. Uh, American Airlines will give you 10... uh, American Advantage, AA Advantage Miles. I don't know. I don't use them. I only fly Southwest. For every dollar, customers donate to the American Red Cross through September 24th for a minimum $25 donation. United Airlines is one-upping them by rewarding customers who make donations to the uh, uh, Harvey recovery efforts by offering up to 1,000 bonus miles for a minimum of $50 donation. And uh, let's see, uh, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., September 27th, there's something going on at Texas Culinary uh, Road Trip at the Downtown Grand. They're going to be selling uh, selling stuff and donating 100% of the proceeds to the Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund. But that's, uh, that's the end of September, so if you're interested in just straight up buying stuff, uh, you can go there and do that. Just wanted to make you aware of those opportunities, easy ways to get involved and help here in Las Vegas for those affected by Hurricane Harvey in Houston. All right. 
my big story for the day. Which most other people honestly wouldn't care about. And you probably haven't heard about. But there is a new study that has been done. The research period is over. And so they have published the findings of their results. And the Social Cognitive Network's Academic Research Center, or SNARK, has determined that only 10% of a population needs to hold an unshakable belief for it to end up being adopted by the rest of that society. I'm going to say that again. Only 10% of a population needs to hold an unshakable belief for it to end up being adopted by the rest of that society. TheBlaze.com reported this, said the 10% minority then obtains engagement from the rest of society, turning its beliefs and ideas into those of the majority. This might, you know, speak a little bit to why cultural icons can shift the masses one way or the other socially much faster and further than academians. The messages of singers, actors, and other well-known personalities have larger amplification than studies and books. Now, that's the Blaze's take. Here's my take. Just 10% of the people in a society holding an unmovable conviction can alter the thought patterns of an entire culture. Think about that. Just one in ten people taking a stand on something can completely change the way a society views any particular issue. This can be used for good. can also obviously be used for the opposite. It works both ways. Think about it. Think about the things that are normal today that weren't normal 10 to 20 years ago. What is it that changed? society's perception. So take gay marriage, for example. Christians can say all that we want, that we believe that marriage is between one man and one woman for one lifetime, and that's it, and that all sexual activity outside that definition is sin. But no matter how many times you say that or explain how that happens biblically, our society has decided that you are hateful and prejudiced because you just you hate gay people, and that's your problem, and you're evil which couldn't be further from the truth. But our society has reached a point where we accept gay marriage as normal. Quote-unquote normal. Why is that? Is it because gay marriage is any different than it was 10 to 20 years ago? Is there a different result? If a man marries a man and you have two men married 20 years ago and a man marries a man and you have two men married today, is the result different? No. It's exactly the same. So what changed? Society's perception of the issue changed. Belief has changed. Convictions have changed. Why? We talk about sex outside of marriage, period. Think about the taboo of that issue. 
people living together was scandalous. Absolutely unheard of, and you were a cat if you behaved in such a way just 60 to 70 years ago. Today, it's mainstream. It's expected. People aren't getting married, they just move in together. Why? Why? Did sex outside of marriage change in some way in the last six decades? No. So what, what changed? Why was what was once taboo now expected? Society's perception. We can talk about abortion. Is abortion different today than it was, say, in the 1940s? And you can say, well, yes, the medical procedures are incredibly different and it's so safe. First of all, it's not safe. And secondly, when I'm asking if these things are different, I don't mean literally per se, I mean consequentially. Are the results different? No. A baby still dies. That has not changed. Society's perception has changed. Convictions have changed. How about smoking? Have you ever watched any movie or sitcom set in the 1940s through, like, the 1960s? <laughs> Everybody is smoking like a chimney. Every show, every character, smoking everywhere. Why? Because it was socially acceptable at the time. Now, is smoking any different today than it was then? Are the results different now? Have we managed to make tobacco so that it doesn't? completely blacken your lungs and eventually kill you? No. So what changed? Society's perception of smoking. Our society decided it's not okay. So we're like, oh, it's not okay. Or how about this one? Donald J. Trump. I'm not, I'm not going to ask all the questions or make the comparisons because I want to keep most of you as friends. But think about it. How did Donald Trump go from political laughingstock of a joke candidate to president of the United States? Because drain the swamp! Well, maybe. But we could debate whether Trump is really a true swamp-draining candidate, and I'm not here to do that today. Instead, I believe that perception changed. Donald Trump would not be the president right now if the majority of those who voted against him in the Republican primary hadn't voted for him in the general election. Why? What changed? Trump, the primary candidate, was the same general election candidate. What changed? Perception. Perspective. The firm stance of a minority of people turned into a tidal wave majority of states. And I think that this should be encouraging. Not... I'm not, uh, not Trump or the political process per se. That's not what I'm talking about. The fact, though, that an entire society can be swayed by just a handful of people standing up and standing strong for what they believe in, that's powerful. And it goes against the general media narrative that the majority rules and that everybody thinks this way, so you should too. It's amazing how much society wants us to conform and yet they, they tell us that we should be non-conformists at the same time. Like, be unique as long as you're like everybody else. What? But that should encourage you. That just 10% of the people holding to a conviction can sway an entire people group. Now sure, that, is, that can be a scary thought because it also works in reverse. 
But overall, that gives me hope. Here's why. We don't need to win the entire world. We don't need to win nine people. We just need to win one person. Now, yes, we want to win all ten. But to affect positive change, to make a difference, we don't necessarily have to get all nine. We just have to get one. And then that one can win one more, and then they can win one more. It only takes one person out of every ten to change a society. It only takes one person who will stand up for what they believe in. So there are a whole lot of people in this country who think the way that you think and believe the way that you believe and love Jesus the way that you love Jesus. Don't let Hollywood tell you what is normal or acceptable or what you should think. Don't let the media tell you what is normal or acceptable or what you should think. It may be what they want to be normal. It may be what they want you to think is acceptable. It may be what they want you to think. But guess what? Even if Hollywood and the media can persuade nine of ten people, we only need the one. Be the one. And then go after one more. Which this whole thing reminds me of a a Bible lesson. One of my favorites for so many reasons. You know the story. Prophet Elijah is up on Mount Carmel. He mocks the prophets of Baal to the point where they're cutting themselves. And it's just a horrific scene, really. If you think about what was actually happening, disgusting. So he mocks them and mocks them and mocks them and drives them almost insane. Or we could argue already insane, but anyway... And then he presents God with what should be an impossible request. God answers and he leads the slaughter of all of the prophets of Baal. Then he outruns a chariot. He brings, God Jesus says, to bring rain back. You say, well, how? okay, yes, he was just watching for the cloud and God used him to tell Ahab, the rain is coming, get out of here. And he outruns the chariot. All the way back to the city. Outruns a chariot. Have you ever seen Ben-Hur? Those things were fast. I know it's not exactly the chariot, but it's pretty close. I mean, come on. He gets back and he finds out Queen Jezebel says she's going to kill you. Like, she sends this messenger and he comes up to Elijah and he's like, Oh, hey, um, the queen wants me to let you know that uh, tomorrow, by this time, you will be as the prophets which you killed. So basically, she's going to kill you. She asked me to let you know that. I don't know why. Because now you know that she's going to kill you. Like, wouldn't you do something about that if you knew? But she told me to tell you. And since I don't want to die, I'm here to tell you. That's how I picture that whole thing going down. So Elijah hears this from the messenger of Jezebel. He's just killed hundreds of prophets. All of Israel is following him. All of Israel is looking to his leadership. All of Israel is like, Elijah's right. We're going to do what's right. We're going to serve God. We're going to not serve Baal anymore. And he's got this huge revival going on. And then this one lady sends her little messenger to come and say, oh, by the way, the queen's going to kill you tomorrow, she says. And he bolts. He's out of there. You know, he was just one person. He had changed the entire nation of Israel. God used him to transform a nation in a single afternoon. That's all it took. 
was just one guy standing up and doing what was right. Boom. The power of one. And yet he finds out Jezebel wants to kill him, and he's off to the desert. <laughs> he goes a whole day into the desert, and then he sits down. He's like, okay, God, uh, I, this is my life is complete. Just kill me now. I'm sorry. If you wanted to die, you could have just stayed in the city, and Jezebel would have taken care of it for you. Like, what? Why did you need to go out in the desert if you just wanted to die? Maybe it was walking through the desert for the whole day that led him to that point. Maybe he did actually want to leave, which is why he started into the desert. And then after he had been in the desert for a whole day, he was like, you know what? This is actually a really bad idea. Probably going to die anyway. So could you just kill me right now so I don't die of, like, thirst? I don't know. I'm not Elijah. I wasn't there. But he gets out there. He's like, God, can you just kill me? Because I'm the only one who cares about you. I'm the only one who wants to do what's right. So if you could just, just kill me because it's not worth it. No, all of Israel is listening to you and looking to you and you just left the greatest opportunity of your life. But my favorite part of this story is that God doesn't come to him and be like, you idiot, go back there. No, that's not what God does. Instead, God sends an angel to feed him and to give him water and God, God takes him through the desert. God doesn't send the angel to kick him and say, get up, you fool. What are you doing out here having a pity party? I need you back there. Who do you think you are? No. No, God didn't tell Elijah, don't have those feelings. God didn't tell Elijah, you're really stupid right now. God didn't correct Elijah for his ridiculousness in that moment. No, he said he took care of him for 40 days, 40 nights. He brings him out to Horeb, the mountain of God. Isn't that cool? God called it the mountain of God. That's what the Bible says, Horeb, the mountain of God. It's just cool to think about. So Elijah gets to Horeb, where the angel takes him. You get an angel that comes and takes care of you for 40 days and 40 nights. That's, I mean, I'm guessing it's probably not a bad life. And so he gets out there and God's like, um, Elijah, what, what are you doing here? And he said, in 1 Kings... I think it's, is it 19? Yeah, First Kings 19. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, let's think about this. Where has Elijah just come from? Mount Carmel. What just happened on Mount Carmel? What did the people of Israel do? Elijah said, if Baal is God, follow him, and if God is God, follow him. Baal doesn't answer. God answers. The people of Israel choose God. Say, Elijah, what do you want us to do? Kill all the prophets of Baal. So they slay all the prophets of Baal with the sword. Elijah's in the desert. What does he tell God? The children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, throw down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. But what had they just done? Now granted, they had done that. But what had just happened was exactly the opposite of that. The children of Israel had come back to God's covenant. They had thrown on the altar of Baal. They had slain the prophets of Baal with the sword. But Elijah, you know, he's discouraged. He's in the desert. He kind of just wants to die. He's like, and they seek my life to take it away. It still just makes me laugh. Like, you just asked God to kill you, and now you're like, and they want to kill me That on top of everything else. So what does God say? God says, go stand upon the mountain. 
And then you know the story, right? God comes by in the wind, which rends the mountains. He breaks the rocks in pieces, but God wasn't in the wind. And then there was a huge earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there came a fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was a still, small voice. What did still, small voice say? He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What is Elijah? And Elijah says exactly what he said before. I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And, and by the way, they want to kill me too. And what does God do? He says, all right. He says, go back. You're going to anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. You're going to anoint Jehu to be king over Israel. And I'm going to give you Elisha to be prophet in your room. He's going to come along. He's going to be your little apprentice, your Padawan learner, if you will. And oh yeah, I'm going to kill all the bad guys that you don't like because I... I actually know that they're bad guys. I'm paraphrasing. This is the Crystal Revised Standard Version. And on top of that, just so you know, I still have 7,000 people in Israel who haven't bailed the knee, or bowed the knee, bowed the knee? Yeah. To bail even once. On top of, you know, God doesn't throw this part in there, but I'm just letting you know, all the Israelites that were on Carmel with you and helped you kill all the prophets of Baal. There's 7,000 guys on top of those guys. So you're not alone. And I'm going to give you Elijah too. God encouraged him. God gave him help in Elisha. He didn't say stop being a baby. Uh, he didn't say pull yourself together, deal with it, bro. No. He shows him his power. And then he asks, he's like, what are you doing here? Elijah's like, oh, woe is me. And God says, okay, here, here's all my power. Not all of it, but, you know, here's, here's power on display for you. And, oh, now it's me, still small voice. Let's try this again. What are you doing here? And Elijah repeats himself exactly. I've done everything I was supposed to do. I've served you. I've been faithful, but it's just me, and I can't do it anymore. God didn't rebuke him. God said, okay, here's what you do. You go back now. When you go back, you're going to anoint these other guys king. And you're going to pick up Elisha. He's going to help you. God encourages him. God sends him back. God says, I've got 7,000 people just like you. Now, 7,000 people was a minority. But God didn't give Elijah the 7,000. He said they're there, but he didn't give them. He gave him one. He gave him Elisha. And I believe that that one made all the difference, both for Elijah and for what comes next in Israel's history. Why? Because when's the next time we see Elijah after he meets with God at Horeb and finds and God tells him this stuff? When's the next time we see Elijah in the story? Do you remember? The next time we see Elijah, fast forward, you probably know this story too. Jezebel helps Ahab by getting Naboth killed so that Ahab can take over Naboth's vineyard. You remember that story? And the next time we see Elijah, he's confronting Ahab while Ahab is looking at his newly obtained vineyard. Where was the vineyard? The Bible says that it was, quote, hard by the palace of Ahab the king in Jezreel. Hard by the palace just basically means it's right next door. The vineyard is right there. 
So the guy that ran into the desert because he was afraid of Jezebel is now standing right outside her palace, telling her husband that he and she are both going to die terrible deaths because of their wicked ways. That's some serious change. That's change in Elijah. That's change for the kingdom. And that change, I believe, was sparked by just one. It was one made the difference. Investing in one, Elisha. But not only investing in one other, but taking the time to renew himself and being alone with God. So here's my question for you today. What if we spent less time trying to change the world and spent more time trying to change just one? It only takes 10% of the population, according to this new study, to change the social perception of a nation. We don't need a handful. We don't even need a majority. We just need to be faithful to what God has given us and what God has told us to do. Be faithful for one. But let's go beyond that and be faithful for two. Be faithful for yourself. Make sure you are right with God. Be willing to stand yourself. And then find one more. Just reach one more. God gave Elijah Elisha. Who's the one person you can reach today? Who's the one person you can help or encourage or give a track to today? Who's the one person that you can invite to church or to our 40th anniversary today? One person can change everything. And one person, God the Son, he did. And his name is Jesus Christ. And you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven today because of him. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, if that sounds crazy to you, and it should, because honestly, what God, what deity, what superpower would lower himself to the level of becoming a human and having to live as a human? That's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's crazy love. It's how much he loves you. And he's waiting for you. You can call upon him today. Your sins can be forgiven. And you can know you're on your way to heaven because of what Jesus did. And if you don't know that for sure, if you don't know you're on your way to heaven today and you'd like to, please give us a call. 702-647-4522. I'd be happy to speak with you personally. Or you can talk with one of our pastors. Again, it's 702-647-4522. You can reach one person. You can be the one person. One person can change everything. And one person already has. All right. Update on earlier show topic. The Chick-fil-A One app is now officially installed on my phone. And they just gave me free breakfast. That was very nice of them. I'm guessing if you download the app, you could probably find something similar would be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall Chick-fil-A give into your bosom. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. Also, if you eat at Chick-fil-A in Las Vegas or Henderson today, 10% of your uh, purchase will be donated directly to Hurricane Harvey recovery efforts. So if you're going to eat out today, why not eat out someplace where you can do 
some good. Thanks for being with us. Join us for church on Sunday at 930 or 1115. Our address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. Bull, bull, yeah, Boulevard. <laughs> We're catty corner from the Best Buy on Rainbow and Lake Mead, and we would love to have you with us. You can also check us out online at experienceliberty.com or go like us on Facebook at Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas. We're going to end today with the voices of Lee. They're an acapella group that does some really fantastic work and no longer slaves. Have a great day, everyone.